I wouldn't um, address this subject on my YouTube channel. Another reason is that Aradia has been extremely influential. So regardless of whether there is historical folkloric evidence of her actual presence in, in Italy, it is still um, a figure that has been extremely influential for the birth of Wicca, for the birth of contemporary paganism. And also, even now, I would say that that kind of influence has remained in one way or another. So before we crack on, I want to um, say hi to the people in the chat. I can see uh, some patrons and um and a channel member. So uh, hi, Joao, Edward, and Andrew, and thank you for moderating the chat. Hi, Dave, and uh, Paul and Craig. <laughs> so it's nice to, to see you guys here. Um, so, um, so yeah, I guess we can we can start and hopefully more people will join as we as we go along and also it's it's possible to see this afterwards. So the concept of Aradia is very interesting uh, because Leland presented presented in the Gospel of the Witches this figure Aradia as the daughter of Diana and Lucifer and as the the queen of the witches as sort of a a messiah, uh, a kind of a messiah, and it has elements of an antichrist because you we will see that um, there are elements, very strong anti-Christian elements, and also rebellious elements. And um, there is this afflate of going against the, the status quo and against the, um, uh, the hegemony of uh, Christianity. But also, uh, Aradia is portrayed as this very ancient, um, almost primordial witch. And we will go into that. Um, oh, hi, Hank. And hi, Donovan and Astro. Nice to see you in the chat. So we will start by um, reading some passages from the two main sources. One is... The Triumph of the Moon by Ronald Hutton, the new and revised version from 2019, which is um, updated compared to the one from the 90s. And then there's a paper from Sabina Mayoko called uh, Radia in Sardinia, uh, where she presents her thesis about Aradia actually being part of the Italian folklore, uh, because most historians and most scholars are skeptical about whether Aradia is a genuine, uh, an authentic Italian figure, or whether it is something that Leland has. Some would say that Leland has fabricated it. Uh, others would say that Maddalena fabricated it. Maddalena is the, the witch that uh, Leland um, met in Tuscany and that uh, gave him the gospel of the witches. So we will see that there are different takes from different scholars, and there are a few main theses about the authenticity or lack thereof <laughs> of the Gospel of the Witches and the figure of Radia. And where does Radia come from anyway? So we will start now by reading some passages and commenting some passages from uh, Ronald Hutton, and then we will proceed on reading something from the Gospel of the Witches and, uh, and Sabina Mayoko's um, article, and then we can have a discussion about it. 
before we start, um, you know, I would like to remind everybody that this project can only exist thanks to your support. So if you have the means, I would really appreciate if you support my work with a one-off PayPal donation by joining memberships or my inner symposium on Patreon. All the links will be found in the info box and in a pinned comment. In and in a pinned comment. And otherwise, like, subscribe, and share this video around and harass all of your friends and family with my videos. And then you can blame it on me and, and send a link to this exact moment in the video so that I will be the one to blame for that. So we can start now. So as I said, I'd like to start first with uh, the triumph of the moon. And um, here, uh, Ronald Hatton starts to talk about Leland and his approach to Maddalena, and then he proceeds on um, talking about the different theses around the authenticity of this figure. So um, the you know the encounter between Leland and the uh, termed canning craft was uh, happened in Florence in 1886 when he met a young woman called Maddalena, who came from the Tuscan Romagna. Um, and from uh, uh, far to the east of the city. She sounds like an almost classic representative of a cunning woman, having inherited a family trove of charms and invocations which were intended to heal, break courses, and invoke spirits and end of tales. He gathered these from her and then hired her as a research assistant, commissioned to bring back more from um, friends in her native region. And uh, the results were the, these three successive volumes, Etruscan uh, or Etruscan, <laughs> uh, Roman remains, Legends of Florence and Aradia. Um, so uh, Leland was careful to point out that although the whole world of popular magic was known to some of his informants as the old religion, and I have to premise here that um, we will talk about that more uh, as we move along through the sources, but um, there is no source, no Italian source that I know of that mentions Aradia or the Italian version of the old religion, which is La Vecchia Religione. And this is another concept that we find in Leland and that has then uh, influenced Wicca. So I have a video on Wicca and whether Wicca is the oldest religion. And in there, I talk about how Gerald Gardner was influenced by, by Margaret Murray, who in her two books, The God of the Witches and uh, The Witch Call to Western Europe, claims that there is this, um, uh, you know, this long chain, this uh, historical unchanging <laughs> lineage of a witch cult that survived Christianity and uh, goes back to from the times to the times of the pre-Christians. And this idea was, for some reason, a narrative that was very successful at the time because Leland, well, Leland actually comes before Margaret Murray, to be fair. And he claims something similar. He claims that there is this old witch cult in Italy <laughs> called La Vecchia Religione or the old religion in, in English and has Aradia as the um, sort of the messiah of this religion. And these uh, witch cult, this pagan witch cult has survived Christianity and has lived underground. He claimed it was in certain areas of Italy. 
and survived um you know the the christianization of italy um but um as uh, ron hatton says he was uh he was quite careful to point out that even though the um, whole world of popular magic was known to some of his informants as the old religion and as i say there are no folk records of that um you know beside leland um who was an amateur folklorist by the way uh, it did not really adapt to a religious system. He argued with some plausibility that it did embody a coherent and distinctive cosmology of a world teeming with spirits with whom humans could work, and that this was descended from ancient times. The more contentious part of his interpretation was that his hatred of um, Catholicism made him insist that it somehow remained separate from and inimical to popular Christianity rather than assimilated into it. For all this, he was careful not to press too far the claim of stregeria, the cunning craft. And I also have a video on stregeria, uh, the um, American tradition, Italian-American tradition that was created by Grimassi, and it was uh, obviously strongly based on Leland and Leland's work. And uh, again, stregeria is not uh, an Italian term and is not a term that is found in folk records, in Italian folk records. Leland was uh, an American he was a, primarily a journalist and then he got enamored with europe and especially with italy where he lived most of his life and with um with the with the folk traditions of the of the place so for all of this he was careful not to press too far the claim of stregeria to represent a religion in itself he described it as something more than a sorcery and something less than a faith which seems to be a fair and a sensitive characterization. Now, Aradia is strikingly different from the two earlier books. We said that there are three books that emerged from his encounter with Maddalena, this uh, witch that passed down to him this secret book and the gospel of the witches. And this was um, something that mirrored quite well, something that at the time was believed um in folk traditions you know that magic was somewhat linked to this secret book that you had to find that you had to find and he was claiming that the gospel of the witches was the um, was this book and that he managed to to get it from madalena interesting that madalena is also a <laughs> And a, a Christian name, Christian linked to Christianity. Actually, this whole thing is somewhat linked to Christianity as we will explore as we go along, uh, which is interesting because he claims so strongly that this is a tradition, this witch cult in Italy, uh, the Stregeria, is a tradition that uh, survived Christianity and remained completely separate from Christianity. But there are so many elements that actually link it to Christianity, as we will see. So Aradia is different from the earlier two books um, because it tries to represent the publication of a single manuscript, the Vangel or Gospel of a Secret Religion of Witches. In his appendix, um, in his appendix, Leland told how he had heard rumors regarding the existence of such a work since he became interested in Italian witchcraft in 1886 which would certainly conform well with English parallels, such as the belief that witches and cunning folk had a book 
which was the source of their power. That's what I was mentioning. And he went on to say that he repeatedly urged Maddalena to obtain a copy of it for him. And that on New Year's Eve of 1897, she handed over the manuscript, which he now uh, printed for, for the first time. Uh, by the date, she had long moved out of her native part of the Romagna in her uh, search for material for him and claimed to have found the necessary information in the Elsa Valley, which lies in the Tuscan mountain of uh, near Siena. So let me see if there are any questions so far, because <laughs> when I'm reading, I, I can't actually see the chat. So I always have to check. So this is kind of the, um, the uh, premise that we see here. Then we have that, um, interestingly, Leland got rid of the fact that Aradia was apparently a figure from Christian and not pagan mythology by suggesting that she was not in the New that she was not the New Testament queen, but an ancient Semitic goddess of the same name. Because one of the things that we will also explore further is that Leland equates Aradia with um, Herodias from that is found in the um, new testament of the christian bible and um and it's interesting because even though the the reference and we will see later that the history of how herodias came associated with witchcraft and with diana and with you know with all the the mythology that surrounds uh leland's work is actually very Christian and clearly linked to the New Testament. Uh, but he claimed that it was actually because uh, the the claim that Leland was putting forward is that this tradition, Stregeria, was untouched, not only was pre-Christian, not only was the old religion, but also it was untouched by Christianity, part of a non-changing lineage that goes you know the same claim um that we find in margaret murray it's very similar this idea of a witch cult a fertility cult that goes back from uh, before the times of christianity and kind of remains underground or somewhat untouched by christianity so he claims that um that actually aradia is not the herodias from the new testament but an ancient semitic goddess of the same name but there is no evidence that he provides for this duration, nor for how a Semitic goddess um, had been transplanted to Italy, nor even for the former existence of, uh, of this deity. Now, um, the medieval and early modern sources for the witch religion portrayed in Leland's book are clear enough. Their origin point, um, the origin point is the popular traditions of the night flying um, retinues of spirits led by a superhuman female who was known by many local names, but most commonly to churchmen and eventually in popular tradition as Diana and Herodias. Many people over the centuries, especially women, claim to have roved with them and uh, learned magic from and learned magic from them which enabled their establishment as the equivalent of the british cunning folk 
These traditions were recorded from the, from the 9th century onward and eventually spread over a large area of Central Europe, extending south into Italy. The clerics who made the records, however, long regarded them neither as heresy nor paganism, but just as a silly superstition, usually to be punished with light uh, penances. And that's because the claim was that they would travel in their dreams or so it was not something that they were doing in the um, physical world. And that uh, appeared to churchmen as being more akin to a superstition. The witch religion in Aradia is simply the late medieval satanic version that the inquisitors made of the Diana and Herodias tradition, with the sympathies reversed. The devil is there under the name of Lucifer, because as we will see when we read the Gospel of the Witches, Aradia is the daughter of Diana and Lucifer. And that's interesting. I wonder, I had my own idea as to why he uh, portrayed Aradia as the daughter of Diana and Lucifer, but um, I've read from these sources a different view. The, the view here is that all these figures come from um, a Christian folk interpretation and folk construction of what witchcraft was about and linking Diana with witchcraft, Herodias with witchcraft and obviously the devil and in this case Lucifer is um, what is mentioned. Another idea that I personally had I think when when I first read uh, the um, Gospel of the Witches is that in antiquity Diana was uh, sometimes some because you have different forms of Diana in the Roman tradition, but in some cases, uh, Diana, which in Latin would be Diana, <laughs> was uh, also called also had the epithet of Lucifera and Luciferus male or Lucifera female in Latin is, you know, is Lucifer and it means uh, bringer of light. So um, uh, I, I think that I thought that because, you know, in the Gospel of the Witches, Diana and Lucifer are uh, brother and sister. And then I thought, is it because it's the epithet of Diana? And so they are seen as part of the same family because it's kind of the same person split into two. The person, you know, the deity and uh, her epithet. But that was my own speculation <laughs> because it seems that from at least from the sources that I'm mentioning and others that I've read, uh, it seems more likely that it was more the combination of different elements that have been in Christian culture and Christian culture being associated with um, with with witchcraft. Uh, so Diana is the goddess because Diana is the only pagan goddess mentioned in the New Testament. Um, and this is something that we will read later as well. So, uh -huh. thank you, Jeanette. <laughs> I was looking at the chat. If you want to make sure that I answer your question, um, I would really appreciate it if you were to super chat it. I think that I better, uh, no, it's not allowing me to move this to the second screen. Anyway, um, let's go back to the reading. So, uh, yeah, so um, as we 
we'll see, as we saw, the devil is there under the name of Lucifer, and the two female divinities made his consort and daughter, and their human adherents meet to meet to worship them. And uh huh, YouTube doesn't like me when <laughs> when I say these things, so you can read it here, and plan uh, evil against fellow human beings. So. Uh, their, uh, their deities, including uh, Lucifer, are transformed into forces of nature and of freedom. And this kind of reflects, um, you may recall that I have published a video on the romanticizing of Lucifer, Satan and the devil uh, during the romantic times. And Leland was quite a, a subversive chap because he was somewhat involved, involved in the... Um, um, and um, yeah, I think that I read that he was very keen on the um, uh, French Revolution, and um, so he had a kind of revolutionary mindset. And um, it is, in my opinion, quite evident in his work that he has his um, how can I put it? It's like he's not particularly keen on the status quo and uh, the power in charge. So uh, this all suggests that the witches of Aradia had no existence outside mythology, representing a 19th century reworking of a late medieval um, reworking of an earlier medieval dream work. Now we will see that this is one of the theses. So I have to premise that uh, here Hatton in Triumph of the Moon is presenting. Uh, he He's not really making an argument per se. He's presenting the different takes from different scholars, historians, and ethnographers as to what is their view of the authenticity of um, Leland's work. So this is one of the theses. Then uh, the second one is that um, uh, Vangelo, in Italian it would be Vangelo, uh, the Gospel of the Witches, was uh, partly concocted by Maddalena to satisfy an employer who ardently, ardently <laughs> wanted to possess the legendary uh, witch's gospel. And um, Aradia was to some extent, according to this thesis, the concoction of uh, Leland himself. And there could be no doubt that he had a reputation even in, in his lifetime for being an unusually unreliable scholar. So he didn't have a good reputation uh, with other scholars, and that's uh, that's a known thing. And the same can be said for Margaret Murray, uh, whom we uh, we talked about her in the other video that I that I mentioned earlier about whether Wicca is the oldest religion. Margaret Murray was also not particularly. Um, <sighs> He, she, you know, her works didn't have a scholarly consensus, not even in her own time. Uh, but the one person that truly and fondly believed in Margaret Mar Murray's work was Gerald Gardner. Uh, but even at the, um, at the uh, Folklore Society, it wasn't, her work was not really considered to be, to be sound. So that's um, an interesting thing to also point out and the same happened with um with leland because uh, there were accounts of people saying that leland was very good at adapting 
um, in a different situations, like it would be a folklorist among folklorists, and uh, they were mentioning other types of roles. And when he was in a situation, he would just be very good at um, blending in and looking and sounding like one of the people that uh, he was in a community with at a given time. But uh, we don't want to do an ad hominem here, which is the a logical fallacy where you assume you evaluate an argument based on the person and uh, we need to evaluate arguments or claims uh, historical or otherwise based on the on the claim itself not on the person uh, but it it is a good background um, it's good background information so um the three positions that we have just mentioned and they indicate that either everything is true or it's completely false and made up by Leland or completely false made up by Maddalena, which means that Leland was, um, you know, was in good faith, but uh, that Maddalena wasn't. Uh, these three positions are quite extreme, um, according to Hutton. And it is quite possible that truth lies in some combination of them. And then here he explores different views that are a bit more nuanced. And we will go into the paper by Sabina Mayoko, who is mentioned first here, and uh, we will analyze that. So Sabina Mayoko, who did, um, who did not think that an actual witch religion lay behind Aradia, uh, suggested, however, that it was possible that he or Maddalena had collected a 19th century version of the medieval legend of uh, Diana and Herodias. And we will explain that further because we will look at the specific paper. Marion Gibson, who inspected Leland's papers and noted that he had left among them an English equivalent to Aradia, a manuscript purporting to be the grimoire of a medieval or early modern Yorkshire cunning woman, but written by Leland himself and incorporating information on magic from sources derived from both periods. She also noted that he wrote poems in which he strongly identified with witches and that the manuscript of Aradia in his archive is in his handwriting. Uh, and uh, we should note here that according to Leland, the manuscript of Radia was handed to him uh, by Maddalena in her and writing, and she was Italian, according to him. Um, she added that the Italian in which it is written has errors that would not be made by a native speaker, and I can definitely confirm that. <laughs> and uh, it's not like Italians don't make grammatical mistakes, obviously. Everybody in their own native language can make mistakes, but uh, the mistakes that you find in Aradia are mistakes that a native speaker wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't do. You know, there are certain specific mistakes that native speakers do and non-native speakers do, and it's quite clear the difference. Um, and so, for instance, one thing that I noticed in Aradia is that the concordance between masculine and feminine is incorrect. So that you have like the one one the adjective in masculine and the noun in feminine things of this sort and these are things that only a non-native speaker could um <laughs> could do because italian native speakers make different types of mistakes 
more with verbs and especially a different a specific tense but um not not this one because that's more intuitive i mean um putting together a female article with a female adjective and a female noun is something that you instinctively do as a as an italian native speaker gibson ultimately left the question of authenticity open uh, Juliet Wood, an expert in folklore, who concluded that um, this is another uh, thesis uh, that we have, um, concluded that Aradia was not copied from a stable written text, a gospel, but from various pieces of genuine Italian folklore on which Leland or Maddalena had imposed the alien structure of a specific witch cult. So in this case, the 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 thesis is that Aradia was um, put together in a way as to uh, convey the sense that there was a witch cult behind it, but uh, elements of what are found in Aradia are from uh, Italian folklore, according to this thesis. And the conclusion that Hatton gives here is quite interesting. Uh, he says, uh, all this together seems to represent with both editions of the present book, because I said this is the Triumph of the Moon, the second uh, updated edition from 2019. A current scholarly consensus that Aradia does not describe a genuine Italian witch religion, while failing to clinch the matter of uh, how it was written and by whom. So as you can see, there isn't really an agreement among scholars. I mean, there is an agreement on something. So the agreement is that Aradia is not describing a genuine uh, witch religion. And I will also give you my take on that. Um, but uh, it is, what is uncertain is whether there are elements from... Um, oh, here I am. Uh, what is still up to debate and different scholars have different views, is whether elements of Aradia come from genuine Italian folk traditions or whether it is everything is concocted or uh, everything is, um, you know, came from out of the imagination of either Maddalena or Leland. So I think that it's interesting that um, here there's the portrayal of an Italian witch cult. One thing that always comes to mind to me is that Italy is a very young country. So an Italian witch cult would imply, first of all, the existence of Italian, which is Italy. And Italy was, you know, the unification of Italy is pretty recent. It's late 19th century, around the time of Leland, really. So um yeah i guess that probably uh, i'm also curious as to why he was so interested in the italian in this italian folk tradition and perhaps it might have been because uh he had the say a similar interest as margaret murray in trying and identifying a, a pagan witch tradition that dated back from before the times of Christianity. And since Italy is um, famous for its Roman and Greek heritage, which was uh, pagan, maybe that's why he was looking into that in Italy. 
Um, but my experience, and of course my research is with contemporary practitioners, not with 19th century ones, so I can talk about the contemporary world. And the syncretism with Christianity is definitely there. I did find one, one uh, witch and shaman uh, in Italy who claimed to have the, um, uh, that her tradition was the only Italian tradition that uh, was not syncretized with Catholicism. But other than that one case, all the other cases that I have studied had a strong syncretism with Christianity. Um, so let's now, let me see if there are questions before I move on to a different text. So Starpunk Zero is asking, would it be a fair assessment to conclude that Leland created the paganism in Arabia to hide the Catholicism in the magic traditions he found interesting? Well, that's a big claim, and I'm I cannot be I, I'm not comfortable saying that. Um, I think that there are elements from Leland's work that are potentially <laughs> linked somewhat to uh, Italian folk traditions, but the way he presented them is uniquely Leland. <laughs> uh, I am not familiar with any Italian folk record that would portray a tradition like that or Aradia as the daughter of Diana, Diana and Lucifer. So um, uh, I'm quite skeptical about the authenticity of what Leland suggests to be Italian and Italian folk tradition. Uh, as, you, as you saw, there is definitely a consensus that what is written in Aradia does not reflect an Italian tradition. What is up to debate still among scholars is whether there is still some connection with other folk practices, folk traditions, and folk beliefs. And um, I picked a paper from Sabina Mayoko that we will go into now that has maybe the more, the most, um, how can I put it? That she, um, claims that there is there was a figure akin to Aradia in Sardinia, and uh, that might mean that uh, the figure of Aradia was also present in Italy in the 19th century. So that still does not imply that what is portrayed in Aradia, that kind of tradition, is an Italian uh, witch cult, an Italian tradition. It might mean uh, in the case one agrees with uh, Sabina Mayoko's th uh, theory, that there might be some links in the folklore to what Leland has presented in Aradia, the Gospel of the Witches. So now I will show you that paper and we will read and comment it. Um, so 
So hopefully you can see my screen now. Okay, so this is the, the paper that I was talking about. So first of all, let's start with who is Aradia and because we we didn't really talk too much about it uh, when we were commenting on Hatton's work. But here we have who Aradia uh, is portrayed to be and the history of Aradia and Herodias. So we can dive a bit deeper into the figure of Aradia and the history of the evolution of this figure. So Aradia is arguably one of the central figures of modern pagan witchcraft revival. And that's something that I mentioned earlier as well. Uh, she's the main character of the amateur folklorist, uh, Charles Leland. I always want to call him Geoffrey for some reason. Charles Godfrey Leland, <laughs> the gospel of the witches, where she appears as the daughter of Diana, sent to earth by her divine mother to teach the mysteries of witchcraft to Italian peasants. Gerald Gardner was certainly influenced by Leland in his creation of modern pagan witchcraft, particularly in the use of the name Aradia as the principal goddess of the craft up until the 1960s. And um, his priestess Dorin Valiente based the charge of the goddess and uh, possibly the most widely diffused piece of Wiccan liturgy on materials from Leland's Aradia. So regardless of whether th this is one of the things that <clears throat> is important to acknowledge and that is that um, different works and myths and legends can have importance and impact and relevance regardless of whether they are historically accurate and this is the difference between the um, the realm of the myth and the realm of history so <clears throat> one thing that I want to uh, premise and actually highlight is that even in the following the, the thesis that Aradia did, you know, the text produced, the text that um, Leland published is not historically accurate, that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't have any value. Because the fact that it was so influential in the birth of Wicca, in the birth of contemporary paganism, and has shaped even, for instance, the charge of the goddess, which is quite uh, important for, for pagans, it still means that it has historical value. It is just a different type of historical and re also religious and mythological value. The um, historical value of something can also be in how that text has shaped something that has been influenced by it. So I would say that regardless of its historical and anthropological accuracy, Aradia has been an extremely influential text uh, and an extremely influential work, same as with Margaret Murray. And I always encourage people to read it. It's also very controversial. There's some anti-Semitism. <laughs> um, um, so sometimes I also find it interesting because I, I have literally heard pagans who try to reframe certain things in this text 
that reminded me a lot of when Christians who are quite progressive tend to reframe things from the Bible in a way that um, mirrors more um, today's cultural and social sensibility. Um, but I, there are aspects of Aradia that are also problematic from social and political point of view and it's quite aggressive as a text we will read a bit of it later so that's a not a trigger warning but kind of a, a heads up um why are you saying that i hate you i adore jewish people I'm against any kind of anything that goes against egalitarianism. I'm I'm totally against misogyny and racism and anti-Semitism and anything that undermines any class of human beings. It's something that I find repugnant to and disgusting. So that doesn't mean that it's not important to study texts that have those elements just as a as a premise because i think that the most powerful tool that we have is knowledge and education and i don't think that cancelling text or cancelling culture is something that is beneficial even to those ends that um sometimes that um types of you know uh, those people want to argue uh, for but let's go to Aradia again so um, Leland equates Aradia with Herodias and later uh, she, uh, no, uh, later also she is a version of Lilith uh, this is another interesting thing because and it comes from a combination of Christian culture and Jewish culture, because Herodias is this figure from the um, from the New Testament. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the story, but uh, she was the um, the one who was considered responsible for the um, for John the Baptist to be uh, beheaded uh, because her daughter was. Uh, dancing at uh, Herod's birthday party and since uh, John the Baptist was um, against the adulterous relation between um, Herod and Herodias um, she didn't quite like him and so that's what happens in the um, in the New Testament so since there is this scene of the um, beheaded man the beheaded John the Baptist uh, there have been some artistic portrayals of Lilith that have the same imagery and so uh, there have been people that have equated Herodias with Lilith and probably art has contributed to creating that cultural link but it's not really a link that we find in in those religious traditions uh, but with culture and folklore, you find that over time, uh, people really develop associations between things that might not be strictly linked, but they become linked in the folk perception of people, in the cultural perception. So 
Um, Ronald Hutton, um, it's funny because we just read from Hutton uh, what Sabina Mayoko says, and she talks about what he says, which is amazing. <laughs> I like these aspects of scholarship. So uh, Hutton suggested that the name Aradia was actually Leland's Italianization of Jules Michelet, uh, which goddess uh, Herodiade, from his novel Le Sorcier from 1862. And why Michelet's um, romantic uh, egalitarian portrayal of witchcraft certainly influenced Leland, who may well have based his assumption that uh, Aradia was in fact Herodias upon the work of Michelet. My research suggests that Aradia already existed in Italian folklore. She did not need Leland to invent her. So for those who are fond of the idea of Aradia being an Italian, part of the Italian folklore, I think that you will like this paper. I will leave the, um, the references in the, in, the info, in the info box. So if you check it um, tonight or tomorrow, you will definitely find them. So the presence of Aradia in Sardinia as late as the 1980s illustrates the tremendous conserv conservatism of this legend, even as it, it also fully adapted to a Sardinian context and blended with indigenous legend material. So I can give you a summary first uh, before we keep reading that, but um, what what uh, Sabina Mayoko is arguing is that in Sardinian folklore, there is this figure called Sare Giusta, who in the 1980s was um, called Sare Giusta, but that before that was uh, called uh -huh, uh, Sa Araja Giusta or Arada Giusta. And uh, Araja or Arada. Um, according to Mayoko, might be the Sardinian version of the Italian Aradia. And um, what she is um, explaining here is that uh, these um, Sare Giusta uh, belonged in, this is the 1980s. And then she tries to do an archaeology of folk traditions to, to try and understand what Sare Giusta comes from. She says that it belongs to nursery uh, boogies and it is a figure that at uh, different times and in different uh, places in Sardinia was trying to keep um, children in check or to, um, you know, was meant to punish children or uh, to punish young women that were uh, not really engaging as much as they should have with weaving and other activities that at the time um, women were supposed to be doing to uh, have a good marriage and um, a higher status in the um, in the community and these figure of Sare Giusta or uh, Sa Araja Giusta was also linked to Herodias and Diana and uh so um, let's go here now 
So well-known motifs recognizable from European folklore are the malicious night witch who can shrink herself to enter through the keyhole and who, when presented with tiny objects such as seeds or grains of sand, is forced to count them and thus uh, thwart worth it <laughs> from uh, causing harm. Sare Justa has a slightly different name, uh, Sore Justa, so you have different version. Uh, the same spirit is called Mama Herodas, uh, Mother Her Herodias. Sare Justa derives from an earlier cluster of legends from night roaming supernatural female figures linked with spinning and waving magic, uh, the Janas uh, or fairies, the Janas are uh, these considered spirits, but also um, nowadays in Sardinia, they are considered to be witches. I, I had, there was a person during my field work, one of my informants who considered herself to be a Janas. And with, um, and with meting out justice, rewarding the dutiful and punishing the wicked. Now, this is interesting because this is the, um, the story of how these figures have evolved over time. During the Middle Ages, beginning around the 9th century, this is something that uh, also Hatton reports, a number of ecclesiastic documents report legends about nighttime spiritual processions led by a supernatural figure in the areas which are now northern Italy, southern France and western Germany. In the narratives and their associated beliefs, these processions would enter houses, consume food, which would magically regenerate, sing, dance, and generally disport themselves. Legends incorporating fantastical material. Um, some women actually confess to uh, participating in this gathering at night while their bodies lay asleep in bed. And then um, Believers refer uh, to the leader of the spiritual assemblies by a variety of names, including Madonna Oriente, Milady of the East, La Signora del Giuoco, the Lady of the Game, Richella, or Ricky, the Lady of Riches, Abundia, Satia, Holda, Percta, uh, Ben Socia, from Latin Bona Socia, the Good Associate, Be, or Bensoria, from Latin Bonasoror, the good sister. Beginning with the earliest report of these legends in the work of Regino, um, uh, clerics associate uh, the, um, the leaders with two figures from the New Testament, Diana and Herodias. Regino complains that many believe that Diana is a goddess or a queen who holds one third of the earth under her charge. He admonishes bishops to warn their, um, their flocks against the false beliefs of women who think they follow Diana, the pagan goddess, or Herodias on their nighttime travels, riding out on the back of animals over long distances following the order of their mistress who called them to service on certain appointed nights. These warnings, along with the names of Herodias and Diana, or Diana, sorry, <laughs> in Latin is Diana, are repeated in the encyclicals of Raterius of Liege, a bishop of Verona. Um, and uh, in uh, Burkhard of Worms and numerous later ecclesiastical writers, eventually passing into the body of canon law. In 1310, 
the Council of Treviri combined the two names, creating Herodiana, which would be uh, Herodias plus Diana. Historian Carlo Ginzburg argues that churchmen's identification of the leader of women's nighttime spiritual assemblies with Diana and or Herodias was an attempt to render understandable within an ecclesiastical framework a body of folk beliefs that did not conform to the knowledge base and expectations of the clergy. It was the clerics who, in their encyclicals and uh, confessors' manuals, drew the connection between the leaders of spiritual assemblies and figures more well known in the ecclesiastical context, such as Herodias and uh, Diana. Both figures of Herodias and Diana are drawn from the New Testament, the principal body of knowledge upon which medieval ecclesiastical knowledge was built, and that both are negative characters therein. Let me see if there are any questions. Oh, wow, I had a good <laughs> instinct. <laughs> so, wonderful work and informative. I will withhold questions till playback. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. And thank you for the super chat. Uh, this is a great review validating my initial impression of Gospel of the Witches. <laughs> thank you, Rania. Inserting some chocolate magic here. Thank you, Dr. Puka. <laughs> Thank you, Hank. <laughs> I really enjoyed your chocolate, by the way. So, okay, I think that I covered your questions. The, the thing is that I, I don't actually see the chat when, when I'm reading because I'm on a different screen, but uh, I can see the, the super chats. So, um, yeah, I think that it's it's interesting, you know, what I find interesting is that when I think about Leland and the Gospel of the Witches and this combination of uh, Aradia or Herodias, Herodias would be, um, was described by Christians as a witch. Why was she described as a witch? Well, uh, she was responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist, but uh, she was also a woman. And it, you have that sense, and we have uh, we have talked about that in the past on the channel, that witchcraft has very often in history, and not just by Christians, but more generally, uh, Christian is often a term of othering. This is religious studies parlance. <laughs> It's a term of othering, meaning that the religion of the others is witchcraft. And uh, demons in history in the past were the gods of the others. So you have that demons are the gods of the others and witchcraft is the religion or the spirituality or the religious beliefs of the other. So when uh, she, when Herodias was described as a witch and she acquired all those qualities over the, um, the early Middle Ages and the Middle Ages. And then she got associated with, with Diana. I keep saying Diana because <laughs> that's how I learned how to pronounce um, that name. But when she got associated with uh, Diana, and why Diana? Because Diana is the only pagan goddess found in the New Testament. So you have Herodias, 
who is arguably the wickedest woman or person, woman, definitely, in the New Testament. She becomes a witch because that's the term of othering. Then you have the link with Diana, the only pagan goddess in the New Testament. And then you have Lucifer, the devil, who is the arch enemy in, in Christianity, especially you know, in the New Testament one, um, that figure is portrayed as the devil. So you have these three elements in uh, the Gospel of the Witches. And Aradia is the combination of, of the two, of Diana, the only pagan goddess found in the New Testament, and Lucifer. So, and uh, when Diana appears in the New Testament, obviously it's not a positive figure. So it's interesting how Aradia is portrayed by Leland as this messiah. And we will uh, read a little bit of the, um, the Gospel of the Witches. She's seen as a messiah who, ha who has to incarnate on the earth to teach people witchcraft, Italian peasants uh, witchcraft, and to overthrow Christianity. And it's quite aggressive also towards the Trinity and Christian beliefs. So um, I just find it fascinating how um, text and a, and a legend witch cult, Italian witch cult, that claims to be uh, exquisitely pagan and untouched by Christianity is so incredibly rooted in Christianity. So um, that, that's my remark on that. But let's go back to the text because I think this is quite an interesting paper. <clears throat> so, Herodias uh -huh. or Herodiade, in Italian we say Herodiade, appears in the Gospel of uh, Matthew as the sister-in-law of King Herod. Uh, she hated John the Baptist and wanted him dead, and she, so she concocted a plan to kill him. She persuaded her daughter, uh, Salome, uh, to dance for Herod in exchange for the head of the of the saint, uh, and the plan worked. Um, uh, several early Christian legends explain how when um, Salome saw Saint John's head brought before her, she began to weep and repent her sin in a fit of remorse. A gust of wind, uh, a gust of wind issued <clears throat> from the saint's mouth and blew the famous dancer into the air, where she is condemned to wander forever in, pe in uh, penance. I actually translated a piece from uh, Old Italian for Ronald Hutton that has that, that, <laughs> that element. Anyway, I uh, just remembered that. So Diana is the only pagan goddess mentioned in the New Testament. And... Um, for medieval clerics, not only was Diana a pagan goddess, she was also one associated with the worst kind of spiritual activity. This connection to witchcraft and the spirits of the dead was crucial in helping clerics censor beliefs in the, um, uh, in the nighttime spiritual journeys, arguing both that the spirits were evil and that the experiences of women who reported journeying with them were inspired by demons. By linking the leaders of the spiritual assemblies to Herodias and Diana, medieval churchmen 
clearly strove not only to insert secular folk beliefs into Christian religious structure, but to frame them as a form of pagan idolatry and thus condemn them. Condemn them. <clears throat> so that's interesting, I think. And then, um, yeah, another thing is that um, there are said to be in Sardinia beings called Janas, whose name means followers of Diana, linking them directly to the medieval legends of roaming spirits. Now, what is interesting here is that um, in Italy as well, there are the witches uh, of the Campania region, which is my home region. I'm not from Sardinia, but I am from Campania, which is another southern <laughs> Italian region. And in Campania, the witches are called Yanare. So you may notice that it, um, the, the J in Campania in Neapolitan is pronounced Y and in Sardinian J. So Janas would be pronounced in Neapolitan Janas. So you can see how Yanara is kind of similar. Um, and there are two etymologies that I've read of the term Yanara uh, from the Campania region. That's the, the witch of the Campania region. The first one is Janua, which is Latin for door. And the second one is Dianara, which means follower of Diana. So that would be similar to what um, Mayoko is here explaining about the, um, the Janas, the Sardinian Janas. Uh, because um, the Yanara are the followers of uh, of Diana. Now, the the issue that I find that makes me ask questions, you know, <clears throat> is when witches are portrayed in Italy as followers of Diana. Is it because they were followers of Diana, or is it because, in a Christian perspective? the only pagan goddess known in the New Testament is Diana. And so being non-Christian and doing something somewhat pagan means that you are a follower of that one deity that is mentioned there. So I, I guess that it just makes me curious as to why Diana specifically and looking at the history and the development of the perception of these figures, it seems to me like it may have a lot to do with Christianity. Um, but I just wanted to express that thought to you. Now, uh, Sardinian Janas have as their patroness Araja or Arada. And here we get to the, to the argument that um, Mayoko is presenting about the, um, the fact that Aradia might have potentially been uh, a figure in the Italian folklore in the, um, you know, in the 19th century when Leland was writing about it. Because in Sardinian uh, folklore, the patroness of the Janas, who, as we just said, are witches, also fairies and spirits, but... Um, 
whose name is a version of the medieval Italian Erodiade. So Araja or Arada is the Sardinian um, probably version or cognate of the Italian uh, Erodiade. It is in fact the rendering in Sardo, Sardo is the Sardinian, of a hypothetical Italian word Aradia. So in this paper, um, Mayoko is presenting indirect evidence that there might have been um, a folk figure called Aradia in Italian because there was uh, a figure in, uh, in Sardinia called Araja or Arada. It's also important to say that the actual name Aradia is, is not in any folk document of Italian folklore. Um, there isn't one mention of Aradia. So this is kind of uh, an indirect evidence of uh, the fact that there might have been a term because uh, Araja or Arada sounds like a potential Sardinian version of this Italian word. So that's the, the argument that Mayoko puts for, forward. At some time, a character called Aradia must have existed in Italian folklore and that when her stories were brought to Sardinia, her name, as well as details of her legend, acquired a Sardinian flavor. In some cases, the leader of the Janas is called Saraja, Saraja Dimonio, Aradia the Demon, a reflection of the demonization of the legend at the hands of medieval clerics. If Saraja Dimonio is the leader of the fairies, it is not an unreasonable leap to hypothesize that at some point in Sardinian legendary, this figure split into two, acquiring a counterpart who was not demonic, but righteous, rewarding ind industriousness and punishing laziness in young women who were spinning and weaving. The name of this spirit was Saraja Justa, the just Aradia. And here we have the Lie, the likely antecedent of Sarijusta. Sarijusta is the figure that Mayoko has uh, reported from the 1980s. And uh, Saraja Justa was, is probably the antecedent. If you see these things here, it's because this is a preprint. Pre <laughs> Usually scholars are allowed to uh, publicly post the preprints, but not the published version. Legends of Herodias and, and Diana, Diana most likely entered Sardinia during the 12th and 13th century, when the city-states of Pisa and Genoa vied for uh, control over the island. This was exactly the time during which these legends were widely diffused in continental Italy, and when clerics were writing encyclicals warning against the dangers of believing these tales. In fact, it is not unlikely that it was uh, through the influence of clerics themselves that the legend was imported. By the 15th century, it could be found in Sardinian confessionals. Um, I think that I've read... Yeah, this is the last part that I wanted to read from this paper. By the 19th century, Herodias and Diana, as leaders of the Ladies of the Night, had vanished from Sardinian oral tradition. 
replaced instead by the Joviana and Saregiusta, who helped industrious girls fulfill their obligations but threatened lazy ones with brutal retribution. At some point, there was a character known in Italian folklore as Aradia, derived from medieval legends of Herodias and linked with night flights, entry into homes, spinning, weaving, and magic. While she seems to have disappeared from the folklore of Tuscany and Emilia, where Charles Leland reportedly found her in late 19th century, she still exists in Sardinia, albeit in a localized form. So um, this is the, the paper that I, I wanted to read to you. I think I find it quite interesting because I think this is uh, the most, <laughs> um, how can I put it? It's like the, the, the most Leland friendly <laughs> uh, thesis that we can find. Um, but so what do I think about it? I think that um, Mayoko's thesis is very interesting and in a way I, I wonder, it makes me wonder if uh, something is found in a local form in Sardinia, if there was some other place in Italy where the figure of Aradia was present, wouldn't we have other folk records of that? Um, and to what extent the fact that we have a similar figure in Sardinia is in, an indication of the fact that in other regions that figure might have um, might have been part of the folklore. Um, I think these are interesting questions, and I I don't have a clear answer. I only have more questions. But as you have seen from uh, Hatton's summary and from the thesis put forward by Mayoko. When it comes to Aradia and the Gospel of the Witches, there is a consensus that there is no Italian witch cult as Leland portrayed. What is in question is whether elements of the Gospel of the Witches may have been found, albeit structured in a different way, not in a systematic which tradition, which religion, but whether some of the elements of the Gospel of the Witches may be genuinely and authentically uh, from Italian folklore. And that is possible, as we have seen, there are scholars that have thought that that is a possibility. Uh, the problem is that at the moment, the evidence is very, very uh, scarce. So that's also important to, to highlight. Um, Urania is asking, did Dr. Puka say Diana was a goddess in the Old Testament? I missed that point. In the New Testament, in the New Testament of the Christian Bible, uh, Diana is mentioned. Uh, she's the only pagan goddess uh, who's mentioned in the um, in the New Testament, and that's the the part of the Bible that is particularly important and relevant for for Christians, especially for Catholics, since we are talking about Italy. <laughs> 
So let's now look at the, um, at the actual text, shan't we? I can't believe it's already been an hour and <laughs> 15 minutes. I hope you guys are still interested, but we are heading towards the, the last part. <clears throat> so I'm not gonna read the entire uh, gospel of the witches uh, but um, just part of it um, let me just mm -hmm. so in the um, preface uh, we have different chapters how diana gave birth to uh, to Aradia or Herodias. So it is in brackets that it is uh, Herodias or Herodias um, of the sufferings of mankind and how Diana sent Aradia on earth to relieve them by teaching resistance and sorcery. Also how to invoke Diana or Aradia. Then we have the Sabbath uh, in chapter two, how Diana made the stars and the rain. Um, then we have um, some folk practices like the conjuration of the lemon and pins um, that is something that is also found in the gospel in Aradia by Liland uh, which is interesting because that is something that is found in, um, in Italian folklore so my impression is that there are elements in Aradia or the gospel of the witches that come from the the Italian folklore uh, it is just that the way things are combined together um, they are articulated in a way that makes them not particularly Italian <laughs> if that makes sense so one thing is to look at different aspects of the Italian folklore and another thing is to construct and claim that there is a tradition and put together all those elements in a coherent way when where those elements are not be found in that coherent way and claim it to be a, a witch cult and a witch tradition so that's the problematic side of it um i'm trying to see whether i can get the read mode So let me see if you can see. Okay, now you should be able to see it. So this is the part that has inspired the, um, the charge of the goddess and also Wicca more generally, the idea of the Esbat. I think I mentioned in the past that the, and also in a Magus lecture that I did on Wicca, that the idea of the eight Sabbaths and the, the monthly aspects that Gerald Gardner uh, combined in Wicca and the way he conceptualized them come from a combination of Margaret Murray and Leland. 
in Margaret Murray, you find the idea that witches celebrate Sabbaths and Esbats. It's just that Sabbaths are more public and Esbats are more private. Uh, but they are numerous and they are not restricted to eight Sabbaths and um, a, a, an Esbat each month when there is the full moon. Whereas the idea of the of celebrating every full moon comes from Leland, as we will see. Uh, so when I shall when I shall have departed from this world, whenever you have need of anything, once in the month when the moon is full, you shall assemble in some desert place or in a forest altogether join to adore the potent spirit of your queen, my mother, great Diana. She who fain, who learn all sorcery, yet has not one its deepest secret, <clears throat> then my mother will teach her in truth all things as yet unknown, and ye shall all be, free, be freed from slavery, and so ye shall be free in everything. And as the sign that ye are truly free, Ye shall be naked in your rights, both men and women also. These shall last until the last of your oppressors shall be dead. And ye shall, and ye shall make the game of Benevento, extinguishing the lights, and after that shall hold your supper, thus, your supper thus and then it continues. Um, and then you have the um the sabbath here but let me go back to streamyard it's a bit difficult to <laughs> juggle between the different windows <clears throat> so that has inspired wicca and the charge of the goddess other elements that you find also the, the sky clad not that gardner needed any convincing on that but you also find here the idea of skyclad that you find uh, in, in Wicca. <clears throat> so there are other parts of the Gospel of the Witches, if you read it, where Aradia is portrayed as a messiah who has come to the earth in a similar fashion as Jesus. You know, she, she's kind of divine, but she was incarnated on the earth. The difference is that she has that kind of anti-Christian mission because she is helping oppressed people. And in this case, Leland means oppressed by Christianity, because in other passages of the text, um, th there are very harsh remarks towards the Holy Trinity, saying that um, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are three devils. and um, so there is this very aggressive anti-Christian sentiment uh, throughout the, um, the Gospel of the Witches and in Aradia's role. So Aradia is very subversive and she has the role of teaching witchcraft to the purpose of overthrowing Christianity, it seems, and also to regain power uh, for, for people who, who are oppressed. So I guess that, let me know if you guys have any questions because we are approaching the, the end of the, of the live stream. But I guess that my closing remarks are that 
so what is portrayed by Leland in Aradia, the Gospel of the Witches, is definitely not an Italian witch cult. It's not an Italian witch tradition. There might be elements, uh, including Aradia, as Mayoko suggests, that come from the Italian folklore, but that is not the same as to say that that is one tradition, and that it is one tradition the way it is portrayed. Also, I find it interesting how he portrays this alleged Italian old religion, La Vecchia Religione in Italian, how he portrays that as something that has survived Christianity, is untouched by Christianity, and you see so many elements from that, that are rooted in, in Christianity, in Christian folklore, in the Christian religion. I mean, why Diana as the goddess? Okay, there might be other reasons, but Diana is the only pagan goddess in the New Testament. And then you have Lucifer, who is a figure that is linked to Christianity. And then you have Aradia, who is Herodias, because in the text he says Aradia and then or Herod, or Herodias, who is from the New Testament, even though he claims that it's a Semitic goddess. Um, but it's just so Christian, <laughs> you know? If you, it, it, to me, it just seems like exquisitely Christian for something that claims to be the survive, a surviving pagan tradition untouched by Christianity. But um, that, you know, I've presented the sources and I've told you what my conclusions are. I still think that it would be interesting to see whether there are other elements of Italian folklore. I think that there, it is likely that there are. I think that the way Aradia was um, written and published is in a way where it's, um, you know, you can kind of believe that it is Italian. So there are elements that make it make it easier to believe that it might be Italian, but they are put, put together in a way that is very Leland, if that makes sense. So let me see if there are other questions. So I think that we can close our conversation here. It's been almost a, um, an hour and a half. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Let me know in the, in the chat and in the comments whether you enjoyed this kind of format. I think it's the first time that I did a kind of commentary lecture type presenting sources on, on a subject. I hope you, I hope you liked it, and um, let me know in the comment section if you do, if you did. So whether you're watching this live or whether you're watching this afterwards, if you like this video, don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share this video with your friends, and let me know in the comments what you think about it. And um, as I mentioned earlier on, and <laughs> I never mention it enough because this project is crowdfunded and without your support, I couldn't really keep it going. 
So if you have the means and can help, first of all, I thank everybody who sent a super chat. And if you have um, the possibility to help, I would appreciate a one-off PayPal donation. Uh, you joining memberships or joining my fantastic community of the Inner Symposium. We actually have a lecture tomorrow for the Magus and App tier patrons. Uh, and it's going to be on Druidry and uh, historical archaeological evidence and also modern Druidry. So you are still... Uh, you're still in time to to sign up for that and you will also get access to the recordings of all the past uh, magus lectures because i record them so people can um, attend them or watch them even if they're not if they're unable to attend live but thank you so much everybody for for being here and i hope you stay tuned for all the academic fun bye for now and thank you all for coming